Welcome to episode 207 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts. So today I went on a field trip to the mountains to a little town called Julian, which was a lot of fun. And um, I'm back here now recording this show with Jason. Hey, Jason, how you doing? Good. How are yourself? Very good, thanks. So what's with the hand gesturing? I don't know. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Who are you gesturing to? <laughs> this is the first time you've actually seen me stand up and do something like that. Like you, I would you, like regularly you, do that on our shows normally. Really? You're like yeah. you're gesturing to an invisible audience to the other side of the room. I'm like, who's somebody over there? <laughs> All right, I'll sit down. So, what's what's going on? What's going on? I don't know. I don't know. I'll have to look at my notes. See. Uh, I don't know. What do you want to start with? Well, I guess Joanna and Lance were just here. Should probably talk about that. Yeah, we had a great meal in the in California Pizza Kitchen last night with <laughs> Joanna and Lance. It was great to meet them in person. Yeah. Well, the reason we did it, the reason we ate at the California Pizza Kitchen is because we had five kids. There are two kids and our three kids, and we had this place that was like sort of kid friendly. But people told me that like. When you have kids, it's really difficult to go out. But I didn't think it was there was any issue last night. That it was, was so easy. Uh, yeah, that was a. I thought the kids were particularly well behaved. I think maybe they were just wiped out. Oh, and, okay. And we also supplied them with like three or four uh, iPhones and Android oh, phones okay. to play video games. Yeah. So they were all kind of quietly, you know, collaborating on uh, solving video. Puzzles they or just something. would just seem real kind of entertained and happy and quiet. They were all up there, little end of the table, and. The adults were down the other end of the table, and we were all having a great chat. Yeah, yeah, that worked out. See, that, so yeah. that's giving you a false sense of how easy it is. You have <laughs> oh. no idea. Oh, okay. You have no idea. I mean, that's that was, yeah, that was an aberration that they were that well behaved. All yeah. right, fair enough. Because I looked at Sandy, I'm like, what's going on? This is <laughs> this is a really good night. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so, so Joanna, Joanna was speaking at an event that Sandy was hosting for the Pasadena Junior League. So. Yeah. Um, Sandy's the president of the Pasadena Junior League and Junior League's the Junior League's like this international women's organization mm-hmm. volunteer organization and so they had like this big training conference and uh, for the entire Southwest so all these all the Junior Leagues from different s- cities located in the Southwest came yeah. in town yeah. for this big training session so Sandy um, had invited Joanna as one of the speakers right and she had heard me talk about her and, and knew who she was and so um, Joanna talked about copywriting and you know messaging to an audience and that kind of stuff and she gave two lectures they were the same oh they they, were the same lecture i think the same lecture twice twice okay right yeah because i i mean i guess they just had different morning and afternoon sessions and people who you know might have wanted to listen to one of her talks but had a conflict with another one they wanted to listen to you know that kind of thing so i'm assuming most of them probably spoke twice yeah but uh you know i wasn't invited (laughs) <laughs> so I don't really know what happens. They brought in like experts on all kind of different, uh, you know, topics. I, I don't even know what they were. One of them, you know, different types of leadership and organization and messaging and uh, you know things like that. So anyway, that's that's why Joanna was in town. And so Lance, so Joanna was, uh, you know, the, she was um, her travel and arrangements were all paid for through the junior league organization. But Lance brought. His, brought their kids and they came down as well. Yeah. So it was sort of a, turned into a semi-family organization. Uh, well, it was certainly trip. great to see them in the, the CPK and uh, 
just hang out and just just talk about all the different stuff that we did. Uh, yeah, I feel kind of bad about uh, you know how about how, how eating at like a chain restaurant. You know, all right. Cause, well, because you're kind of like, well, we should go eat at some sort of cool Pasadena. Because there are so restaurant. many places in Pasadena that are like you know kind of high end or just really cool. Yeah, yeah, but it was just like okay, so where can we eat where? The kids are going to eat the food. Five kids. Yeah, five different kids. And kids are generally pretty picky. Ours are pretty picky. I mean, we could take them to get Indian food. Our kids love Indian food. Yeah. But when you when you suggest that to people, a lot of people, that's that's a little too okay. A little too esoteric. Yeah, yeah, a little too outside their comfort zone. So it'll be like, hey, let's go get some Ethiopian food. People will be like, what? Well, Lance is probably listening now, thinking, hey, I love Indian food. Why didn't you ask? Yeah, yeah, I could have done that. But anyway, we're just trying to pick something. And also, right. was walking distance from the hotel. But anyway, yeah, that was walking distance. That was really good too. So it was cool talking to him. One thing was interesting. I I may have known this. I guess I forgot. But uh, Joanna reminded me that the reason that she broke her copy hacker's book into like a four volume series is because. I complained about it being too long. Yeah, right. And I said, I said, listen, which I was one of the first people she sent it to to say, hey, you know, take a read. Tell me what you list, what you think. I think you, you too. She, no, she said it to both of us. Yeah, right, right. And so we li- read it, and I said, yeah, it was really great. He said, but it was really long. I think yeah. you should break it up into smaller volumes, you know, separate books. Which they figure br- br- brought them in three times more revenue. Is that right? I didn't hear the number. I think so, and maybe something like that. Anyway, I think that, but it, it, that's always true, isn't it? When you break, I mean, it's like if you just sold Microsoft Office versus breaking it down into Word and Excel. You know, I'm sure they make more money through. Well, I don't know. Would they make more money through the bundling of it, or do they make more money through, more money through the separate sales? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, it probably just depends on the context. I guess because bundling as well. Maybe, maybe they make more money because there's separate products and there's bundled. Well, if they're three separate books, yeah. If, if she made a, she made them to four volumes, right? It was three mm-hmm. or four volumes? Four volumes. Four volumes. Yeah. And they made three times the amount of money. So I guess you know it was I was at two hundred or two hundred plus pages, and these are ebooks. Yeah. So. Like, you know, I know I'm old school. I print stuff out. So I'm a little different. I'm not I'm not your standard case with people reading, I guess, on their iPads or whatever, but um, or Android tablets or what have you. But, you know, I was like, you know, that seems like a, a lot for an ebook. You could, you could do it for less. And I guess that's the case that people view like a, you know, 50, 60 page book ebook is like a, you know, that's that's enough for an ebook. I don't know what, what she sell them for, like, like five, ten bucks or something. I'm not sure. Anyway, she, she made a great case for. But I, for like, I don't know, just during our discussion, I was discussing what, you know, what should I do next? And she made a great case for uh, info books. And then right. you came up with a great idea for me to do an info book on basically defining your product. Right. Using well, Bolsmic. well, I think you're, I think one thing that you do that's, that you do really well, that you're very passionate about to use an, an extremely overused term, I. <laughs> uh, something that you really like talking about you really believe in that i don't think is is a as common of an expertise as a lot of other things that you know i mean a lot of people know php right a lot of people know jquery yeah a lot of people know mysql a lot of people know these kinds of things i mean you have a you bring it all together everything that you know about you know you know bootstrapping a startup and you know all those things that surround that are valuable but the thing that you that you do really well is uh, is uh, mocking up a website. So taking a concept, a vague concept expressed by some potential client or whoever who says, "Hey, I want to do this, this, and this." And you're like, "All right, let's 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 make this concrete. 
what let's go screen by screen by screen what is this thing whether it's mobile or web or whatever and you do a great job of that i've seen you do that you you seem like you can you can do that in a few hours you can sit down with somebody and just like knock it out and so i thought okay that's one thing that you do that would be i think valuable to people in the business world um who don't necessarily always know how to make that first step right and and because you know this there's, there's there's a big chasm between when there's somebody, a, somebody, a, a, a product visionary or business or an entrepreneur who says, you know, I have this idea, I want to do this X, Y, and Z, and then giving it to a, a developer, giving the developer enough information they can actually make something happen. But I do think about mocking up and wireframes differently to the, what they, I guess what you call the best practice. Um, the best practice is to say, just get the features on the page. Just make it, it, you don't really care what it looks like. Don't worry about the design or the blocking of it. Whereas I, when I'm mocking up, I think I want to make this look as close as possible to a finished product so that it really feels like a finished product, but totally in mock-up form. So it's like, it looks like as if you drew the real product in mock-up form. Yeah, well, when you say best practice, who is best practice? Well, I remember showing, I, I remember sending something that I'd done like that to, to Peldy. Uh, from Bolsmic, right. the guy who wrote it. Right. And he was like, whoa, what's that? What are you doing there? That's like the whole product. That's not really what this thing's about. You know? And so he really thought it was, it was kind of weird the way I was using it. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Okay, so I can understand from his perspective why he would say just get the basic features on the page and don't worry too much about design. Right. Because he may view that as... Um, premature, a, a form of premature optimization. Right. I think that's really um, a, a probably a personality trait. I think depending on the person, how much it, it, it's going to depend on the person how much detail they're going to put into you know the relative size of a of a button or the the copy you know the the actual text like oh, how is how is that uh, how is something um, explained I mean you know when you and I were first doing some of the mockups for Anyfu I was worried more about the text. And you were like frustrated with me. You're like, oh, whatever, whatever. And I'm well, like, dude, I, just that's this misspelled. This it, it needs well, a comma. Mis- I needed misspelling, that. I need- okay, yeah, yeah. Misspelling I don't care about. But what I do care about is sales copy and sentiment. I mean, the, I guess the primary motivator that I'm thinking about when I'm doing it at that level is building the product before building the product so that I can actually have something that's a product that I can show to customers and say, what do you think of this product that's in mock-up form, which you can't do with wireframes. You can't get validation. So it's like... The ultimate um, lean startup, it's basically you build the product before you build the product. Then you show it to your customers, and then you iterate that product, that, that totally mocked-up product, right. which is a lot cheaper than going anywhere near coders. You know, If you iterate the interactions at that level when it's still just mock-up, you can save yourself a lot of time and money. Well, yeah, there's, a, there's an old sort of, uh, I don't know what you call it, uh, I don't know if it's a... I would just put a saying that it's like every step in the process that you find a bug further every further every step further down the process that you identify a bug it's ten times more expensive to fix. Yeah. So if you if you identify a bug in and production it's ten times more expensive than if you had found it in during testing versus development versus design versus you know requirements you know so it's like the earlier that you find a bug or say a missing feature or you. Or you uh, re- redo a way, a way a feature is actually supposed to be, 
done, you know, th- those kinds of things. The sooner you can fix those things, solve those things, the, the cheaper it is. I mean, that's just kind of, that's kind of common sense. Whether it's 10 times cheaper or five times cheaper or three times cheaper, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's definitely better to identify those things either, sooner. Yeah. So the, the more clearly you can articulate the vision, the better off you're going to be, especially, and, and the earlier that you can articulate it accurately, the better you are. So I, I, think, I think your mock-up, uh, your approach to mock-ups is good. I think, I think whether how specific you get about, you know, how, about how things are positioned or, you know, or, 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 or sized or how, what the messaging is. I mean, I think, I think you could make arguments different ways. I mean, if you're right. more design-oriented, if you're a more design-oriented person, yeah. You're gonna spend a you're gonna spend a little more time tweaking the sizes of things. If you're if you're more of a communication type person, you're gonna thinking more about the messaging. If you're more of a you know of a, a business type of person, you may be thinking more about you know how how do how how does the business um, focus? Uh, how is that sort of managed or whatever? But if so. you if you're building a homepage, like I like to start with the homepage for the app, and I'm thinking business, I'm thinking marketing, I'm thinking sales, and I'm also thinking. what it visually looks like i would want that in the mock-up to actually sell it to someone right there and then so that i can take that mock-up to a prospective customer and say okay look here's this product would you buy it do you know what i'm saying and get their feedback and they say well i'm not really quite sure what it is i'm not quite sure you know it doesn't explain to me well enough i don't know whether it meets my value proposition or whatever so that's also part of it in there for me. See, and that's a personality thing. I mean, you know, I don't really get that either. I remember when you start with the first page. Yeah. I start with the center of the app. So yeah. I would look at the what's the what's the what is the core problem we're solving. So if it's a task, if it's a project management app, I might be list, looking at a list of tasks or or, or editing a task or something like that. Yeah. And and that's what I would want to be looking. What's the you know I don't put myself at the center of the app. Look at all the you know potential. Uh, things that actions I can take and and, and everything. So, but whatever. I mean, yeah, those yeah. things. Okay, regardless of what your personality is or what your theory is on how to do mockups, I think you understand it. I think you could say, here are the various ways to think about mockups. Okay, I, I get you. Right. Here's so, my personal preference. Okay, so my <laughs> so my preference, which is basically products stroke uh, sales first, on or your one, which is basically product stroke feature set. Into inside out first. I guess. I guess it's true. I mean, I don't know. But it seems. It seems like. Why would you need a book to explain how to do mockups? I mean, you just kind of start dragging things around the screen. But it is a little bit more complicated than that. It is. Well, okay. It's. It's. You know, part of it is making a case for why you want to do it, how yeah. you want to think about it. I mean, just because you give someone a powerful tool doesn't mean they're going to sit down and start using it. Or using it well. Using it well. I mean, you just get, it's kind of creating sort of a mental scaffolding for them. So here's how, you know, here's why mockups are valuable. Here's how you can use them. Here's how it can save you time. Here's how it can um, make communication with your people you're collaborating with or your, or your, uh, your people you're outsourcing to, uh, how you can make that more efficient. Um, and here's some examples of uh, some projects I've done or, or we'll just take an example project and let's yeah. just walk through. And that'll give people an idea like, oh, right, I have this idea. Now I get it. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think it's valuable. So anyway, to sure. sort of to sort of sum it up, I mean, I think that if you were going to do an info product, if you, if you have this <laughs> itch that you want to scratch, I think the most valuable thing or at least one of the most valuable things that you would have to sell information wise is – a book on mocking it up, and I would define it. Like, I, I would just, I would title it something like "Define Your Product" or maybe "Define It." 
exclamation point exclamation. and then have like a under effects like your first step in developing your your uh, web mobile product or something like that i was thinking of a title build your product before you build your product yeah well maybe that, i would make that the the, the, the like sort the sub- of subtext or whatever okay, so right, define right. it Exclamation point, you know, <laughs> build the product before you build the product, <laughs> yeah, something like that Define before you build, I don't know, whatever, but, um, well, I was wondering what, in, what info, uh, and by the way, listeners, this, uh, you know, obviously this is probably not going to happen. We've already got a million and one projects going on, but you know, the way we like to spitball this stuff, Jason, what would your info product be? What would you, what would you do? I don't really have an info product in mind. Although the one thing I was thinking about bringing up, and so maybe this is my info product <laughs> is like lessons or things that I would want to teach that I want to teach my kids before say they go off to college. Right. Okay. Because I think the things that the kids learn in school, you know, the, you know, basic math and science and history and, 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 and literature and all stuff. That's all obviously important and useful stuff. Maybe not always useful, but it's important to have a baseline uh, education yeah. in these things. But things that kids don't really know is, is things that we talk about, so we touch on sometimes, which are cognitive biases, how people work psych- psychologically. How do people actually work? What makes people want to do things or not want to do things? How do groups of people work? You know, we talk about things like social dilemmas and, and you know, things I've talked about that book I, I think I'd like to write called Gotcha. You know, the, my, my working mental title is Gotcha, Cognitive Biases, Logical Fallacies and Social Dilemmas. It's really about how the world really works and how people really work. And that's important because it makes your life a lot easier and it makes you tend to be more successful because you're like, I just, I know how the world is. I think you should call your book Hacking Relationships. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think the hacking stuff is my is starting to get a little uh, right. done at this point. Um, but anyway, it's just that kind of stuff that and, and I think it would go beyond that. But, yeah. you know, there's things that like they, people don't even learn until they might touch on a little in college or they don't really learn through maybe in their like 20s or 30s, or sometimes even 40s. They don't hear about they don't hear about the kind of lessons that you would learn in about, say, negotiation tactics. You know, people don't even like like here's one example. It's like, you know, we talk about like anchoring. Like, you know, you, it wasn't until like a year ago that I even, I even heard about this concept, which is like when you go into negotiation, you really want to put the first number out there. Because if, let's say that you think something's worth, uh, I don't know, uh, 10000 and, um, and I come in there and I, and I make an offer for like two grand, you're going to be shocked. And you're like, well, you know, and then, I, and then you negotiate me and then, and then I think it's two but then I come up to like four grand or five grand. I've already anchored it because I threw it. If I threw out two grand first, that's where the negotiation starts. So wherever it ends up in my mind, it's it's me bending from two two thousand. Yeah, it's an anchor, you know. So yeah. they, once it gets set in your mind, so you want to throw the first number out. Like this is where the number is set. Throw the first number. You know. Just, just an example. Like, that's yeah. the one thing. But most people think, oh, well, I'm going to let them throw out the first number because I don't really know where, where they are. It's like, no, don't. Throw the first number out that's basically what you want. That's the, no. That's, that's a long way away from what you want, but that's, that's in the direction you want. It's the high direction or the low direction. If you're, if, you're, if you're selling, it's in the high direction. If you're buying, it's in the low direction. Right. Yeah. You want to sell because, you know, an, another example is that um, I, I actually had this, um, this thing I read recently was called Negotiation Tactics. It was by like the Stanford... 
business school or something. And um, I, I, I just kind of uh, reread it recently. And, and it's, 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 it's a lot of stuff similar. We've talked about anchoring and framing yeah. and things like that. And there's some stuff that you and I have talked about when you've been negotiating some things. Uh, and I would sort of remind you, like, remember, do this, remember, do that. <laughs> and, and one of the really good points they made was um, that even if I, uh, if someone, if, if someone, let's say if someone makes, um, first of all, you, you never want to gloat if you, if you, uh, if, if, if you get one negotiation, because if you ever come back to them another negotiation, they're going to feel really bad about it and they're going to want to right. say, get, get back some of what they felt like they lost. Yeah. Um, and the one thing they say, they said too, is this article is never give anyone their first offer it makes them crazy so if if you say if you say if you want to hire me to do some contract work for you and you said well what's your price and i go uh it's 200 an hour and you're like all right i'll take it i'll be like oh i should have said 300 <laughs> you know right i mean you know you're, you should like well i don't know that's kind of that's a lot and that's wow that's a really high number right but yeah. then if you're lady like all right like <sighs> You know, I'll do it, but that's that's just yeah. High. You make it feel like it's only, for it's it. only because I think you're, you know, the best at what you do, and we'll do it. You know, and then I'm like, oh wow. Then I then I feel like wow. I not only is did he really sort of compromise to me, so I feel like I I owe him a little, like, but I also I feel like wow, I really got my best, right, the best yeah. out of that that I was ever going to get. <laughs> you know, little things like that. But yeah, you don't learn that in high school. You don't mm-hmm. learn it in college. Most people never learn these kinds of things. <laughs> But if you if if you are equipped with an understanding of negotiating tax, understanding of you know sort of like the baseline ideas and something like the art of war, Sun Tzu's art of war, or you know, and all these logical fallacy things, and like understanding like you know when you you can read an article and go, oh, that's uh, you know uh, an ad hominem, that's an appeal to authority, that's uh, this, that's that. You should do that. I'd I'd like to read it. Yeah. I would like to read. I was just thinking about making some notes for my kids, like things yeah. I, I want to make sure my kids well, know. Just possible to me as well. Right. Because <laughs> you'd have some dangerous kids. If, I, if they got to high, through high school, college, and they know all this stuff. Yeah. They're, you know, adults dealing with them would be but like. The main thing, but you'd be worried that it's not in parrot fashion. So they're just kind of doing stuff just because you say it in your notes. My dad said it in the notes, so this is what I need to do, rather than them really going through the learning and the experience. You know, that's that's a good point. Um, so I'll, I'll give a good example. So uh, I tend to like to... L- I let my kids make mistakes. I mean, not the run and run out in the street kind of yeah, mistake. You yeah. buy a car. So the, Friday, um, I'm waiting for Colby to go to school. I'm like, I'm like at the door going, Colby, come on. You know, cause when you have kids, you're constantly telling them to hurry up. Kids yeah, yeah. do not rush <laughs> right. when it's going to, you know, it's going anywhere unless it's somewhere that they want to go yeah. and they're, and they're trying to get you to hurry. But you know, like the Disneyland or something. Yeah. Other than that, you're like, come on, hurry up, put your shoes, like the tent, hurt, put your shoes on. Let's go. Let us go. We're late. Like, okay, yeah. So I'm sitting there going, Colby, come on. I'm standing in the doorway and he's like fiddling with his backpack. I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm putting He's like, I'm putting my, uh, I'm getting my, I'm, t- I'm putting, getting my DS, putting my DS, the Nintendo, you know, the Nintendo DS. He's like, I'm putting my DS in my backpack. But he didn't put the charger. No, no. I go, Colby, what? I don't think you can take your DS to school. And he's like, Yeah, you can. You know, McCarley takes takes his phone to school. <laughs> and I was like, I don't like, I don't know about that. But I just, I don't think they're gonna. You're supposed to do that. And I, and I, and they're probably gonna take it away. And he's like, Well, we can take. We're allowed to play with them at lunch or at recess. And I go, Colby, look. I think if you take it to school, you're going to get in trouble and they're going to take it away. And yeah. so he's like, no, it's one. I'm like, I take it. 
<laughs> I don't. I didn't make it. Not that. All right. Fine. You know. Go so he it. takes it up. Sure enough, we get a call about eleven a.m. from his teacher. So Kobe was playing with his DS in class. Yeah. And she's like, I had to take. She did my. I didn't actually answer the phone. My wife. Yeah. Sandy did. And she goes. And she's like, yeah. And Kobe was uh, actually trying to negotiate with me. <laughs> <laughs> which he probably did uh, learn from you he probably did about negotiation but you know he 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 got the tension yeah during recess and he lost friday club which is a i don't know special thing to do on friday but i'm like so after he gets home i'm like so Col- colby how'd that work out for you <laughs> do you remember what i told you this morning yeah what i tell you and he's like told me i was gonna take it away and i was getting in trouble i'm like so that happened yeah i'm like colby i'm on your side i'm trying to help you out kid Okay, I'm like, you know, but it's like I told I was I, I was uh, joking with uh, Sandy about this. I'm like, Colby's um, biography or autobiography is going to be Colby Roberts the hard way. This <laughs> is like he's got to learn the hard way. I'm yeah. like, all right, fine. I mean, you know, whatever. It, yeah. But kids, see, that's the thing. Kids, uh, probably people in general, for the most part, have to learn themselves. It's just, yeah. it's just a matter of how many times you're going to learn the same lesson. You know, I mean, there's some there's some kids who go, well, you know, my parents told me never to do drugs and and they don't ever do drugs or something like that. And, you know, whatever. But a lot of times I think kids kind of have to do their own learning. But I think which as a parent, what you're trying to do is help them avoid the life life disaster mistakes, like diving into a lake of water when you don't know how deep it is. (laughs) You get paralyzed, you know, things don't do stupid things. Um but a lot of things you just want to say, okay, when you learn this lesson, have a talk with them and say, listen, this is how it really works. <laughs> this is where you messed up. You know, but I always, I always feel like I should stay until I have my advice flag. So he, so he screws up, walks in, I got hold up the little advice flag. I'm like, you want to hear it? No? <laughs> the advice flag. Okay. <laughs> well, talking about kids, um, on Thursday, we had the first Catalyst Club. Well, you had the first Catalyst Club. And is it called Catalyst Club? Um, I'm just Cat- calling it Catalyst. I think, just Catalyst. I think the, okay, I was thinking about this. So the official name is Catalyst Academy. Catalyst Academy. That's, but that's, yeah, go on. And part of the reason is because I could get catalystacademy.org. Okay, right. <laughs> but it's kind of like school. Like my, the school, high school I went to in Atlanta was called the Padea School. But yeah. you just call it Padea. Wasn't, oh, I go to the Padea. Like, Padea School, right? Padea. Just go to Padea. Padea. Right, and I think Catalyst Academy would be the official, which is called Catalyst. So when I send an email to the parents, it'll be titled Catalyst Parents, comma, yeah. Okay, well, I'll, I'll I'll try and describe the evening's events. Oh, well, let me first tell you, I roped you in. You did. <laughs> so, first of all, I want to thank you for doing it. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, it was welcome. awesome having you there. So, people know why you know what the hell's going on, because right. you were there. I was there. <laughs> I was one of the adults. Right. Or maybe at uh, some stages, the child as well. <laughs> um, so, all the we had six kids there. Um, seven. Seven kids, aged from, I guess, like... Colby was the youngest. Se- seven to 13, was it? Colby was the only one who was seven. There are a couple other kids who were in third grade. You know, right. Colby's young for his grade. He's yeah. probably six months younger than the next. I don't know the whole grade thing. So just say age. It mostly was eight through 11. Eight through 11. Okay, right. Yeah. So Jason had pre-written through comments on the, on the texting blog and thinking about it, Jason had decided we were going to teach them programming through uh, a card game. So we, well, Jason created these cards one of them said there was four instructions, five instructions. One of them was step forward. One of them was turn left. Another one was turn right. One was pick up and one was put down. So we basically created a very small assault course for them and got them to program their robot. So they, they team up in pairs 
and one kid would write the program. Well, they'd actually write the programs together, but uh, one kid would deal with the cards and the other kid would do the walking. So the kid would say, okay, step forward. And the kid would step forward. Now turn right. The kid would turn right. And it was interesting to, to see how they gradually got into the concepts because at first they found it very difficult to restrain themselves from moving forward and stepping right and moving forward all at the same time in one card when it just said step forward or doing sloppy turns like they yeah. slot t- they turn because a turn is a 90 degree turn yeah it's very would, specific yeah and and the other thing it made a little tricky at times is the the kids would be of different sizes right so they have an 8 and 11 year old and so their steps were different so five, one would have 7 steps and one would have 6 they'd yeah. mark it out yeah. oh, we need 7 steps and then they'd get the other kid and it was only 6 and I'm like wait a minute why do we got another step here there was also another prevalent problem of mixing up left and right <laughs> Yeah, that was interesting, wasn't it? <laughs> like that one kid just kept on mixing up left and right. It was so funny. And um, I got into a bit of an argument with that kid about how many... Because they, we, we Millie. Let out, Millie. Millie. We, we, we let out a very specific course to go through these cones yeah. and to do it through... I well, guess, that was the second. The first one was, an yeah. o- was a straight up uh, obstacle course, which you'd go straight about right. seven steps, yeah. go around this like box that was on the ground go you know take a couple turns and go straight then turn right and you pick up a ball and then you turn uh around 180 degrees go about eight or nine steps and turn either you go right a little bit something else and then you drop, drop it, it a in box. the box yeah but the second stage i put like six or seven or eight cones in a row so you'd have to weave through them yeah and one oh, the other thing that i so, added in was a an envelope oh, good, yeah. that said repeat on it because they were the kids were coming to me like well I, I don't have enough step cards i'm like wow funny you should bring that up so we have an envelope. This is repeat. Anything you put in this envelope will be repeated. However many times you write, you can write a number after repeat, like seven or ten, and it'll be repeated that many times. So if you put tur- step, turn right, it will go step, turn right, and you write three times. You'll do that, th- that op- those two operations three times yeah. in a row, and they got that. Yeah, they got that actually surprisingly fast. So basically, that's teaching them functions, but um, and blocks or scope. I guess there was a very specific thing that you had to do to do a because the the reason why we laid out the slalom course Mm -hmm. was because we wanted to see if the kids would get this repeat concept because once you'd gone around two cones you could just put it in an envelope and repeat it three times and go down the course so i think three of the kids were obsessed that they could get to the second cone in nine cards so a card was like step left turn left step turn right but there, it was completely impossible. You could only do it with 11 cards. Right. And no matter how many times I showed them, they, they came back and said, no, 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 I can do it in nine. I can do it in nine. So they, so they came back and, they, and I said, okay, I'll be the robot. So they, they read the cards out to me and, and they would like going, okay, left. And I was walking completely off course, walking into the wall, into the sofa. And like, they were like, no, no, I, I, I meant to say right. <laughs> anyway, it was just really funny. I, I think I it was think, really funny. I think the... Um I think it, if if we had been to like like put the kind of, you know the like kind of they put tape on a carpet like sometimes you'll see in schools they put like tape like little squares and stuff yeah yeah if you'd done it that way and made it more precise right you could have made it but it was the imprecision of people of kids like their steps being different lengths and some taking yeah. bigger steps and to, so whatever but and so what we did after after we did the card couple of the card games is I said all right have everybody write it down write write your sequence of operations on a piece of paper. So I wrote it, wrote it on a piece of paper, and then after that, I had the, each team type in a computer like it was like on a uh, in a, in a text editor. They had that, yeah. Some people had Macs, some people had Windows. But it was funny because all four versions were roughly the same program, but they all looked 
different. One looked kind of like Lisp, one looked kind of like Visual Basic. And it was just like, you each, inv- and what I want to explain to them was like, that's a program, essentially. Yeah. You invent, you each invented, in a way, your own programming simple language. programming yeah. language. Yeah. And the reason I wanted to do it that way, and the reason I'm going to do the card game is, you know, I, that whole idea came when Colby and I would do that in the pool, right? Yeah, I'd okay. have him hanging on me. And just getting the understanding, a very sort of physical, tangible understanding of what operations were what like a, a loop would be like what like a function would be like that kind of stuff and the but i wanted to write it down on a piece of paper and then ultimately the computer so that the, in a sense they created their own syntax that they created their own language so that when you go okay here's a programming language someone else invented it's different from yours so they wouldn't be under they 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 had invented their own solution so then they see someone else's solution like oh okay i get what they're doing yeah yeah i think it worked i think it was great it was really good i mean I was really impressed with how quickly... Who's the tall girl? What's her name? Uh, Margaret. How quickly Margaret got... got like, she just straight away, when, she, when we, we did put the cones down, she walked around and she said, I can do that in one envelope. You know, she's mm-hmm. like, okay, I, can, I just need to get to that second cone and I can do it in one envelope. And she's... And, and also, when she wrote out her program, she created symbols for the functions. TR, TR was turn right. Yeah. S was step. Yeah, things like yeah, that. Yeah, so she so she already created symbols for the functions. She already knew about uh, repeat repeat functions. I mean, she's she's gonna do well. Yeah, well, well, okay. Another thing you keep in mind too is she was eleven. Yeah. So yeah. like you know, there's a big difference between like a, a ten year old and nine year old, eight year old. I mean, there's big, this it's is true, a yeah. difference. So they're all bright. All those kids were gifted and talented. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you could teach kids that weren't necessarily gifted to do this, but it was easier, and kids got it a lot e- quicker because they're you know, really bright kids. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but she was on um, one of the two oldest and, and, okay. uh, but she, yeah. yeah, she did a good job. I mean, and, and, uh, the, the only thing that frustrated me about it was Colby was not being very cooperative. And I think he had a little, he was having, he was suffering from coach's son syndrome. Right. Right. Which is a well-known disease <laughs> to anyone who's tried to coach their own son or daughter in a sport, probably more of sons than daughters that they just tend to uh, be a handful and and there's there's probably a lot of reasons for it or maybe there's some child psychologists can explain why but i've talked to a lot of a lot of parents who who whenever they're coaching their kid they're like it's a nightmare because they're just like they're not listening and they're constantly interrupting and constantly suggesting why don't we do this or why don't we do that and he was doing a little bit of that but he was also i think we were in a room that was full of toys because it was a play therapist room yeah which was a major distraction as well and I think he, he kind of got it. Like, he's like, I get what you're doing. He kind of just got it straight away. So he's like, okay, I'm done. I'm, I get I'm, ready, it. I'm ready to do something else. You know? Yeah. And I think he wanted to be on the computer. He really wanted to write code. And once everybody's on the computer, he got excited and he's typing it in. And that's kind of why next, the next um, session, I want to go straight into the computer. Because you were saying, well, why don't we do another card exercise and we make it more advanced? And I think we can do that again. But I think, I think a few of the kids are like kind of really... Eh, really looking forward to writing they just real wanna, code. They want to write code. Get yeah. into it. So like, just let them do it. It's like if you had like yeah, first enough. day of basketball practice and you don't let the kids touch the basketballs or something. They're just kind of going nuts. They're yeah, like, can I, yeah. when can I just shoot on that basket? Yeah, I get it. So um, for the next session, I want to, uh, I want to, you know, because I've been going back and forth in mind, should I teach them Python or should I teach them JavaScript? And I thought, you know what? I'm going to teach them both. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to split the group up Say four or five kids will do Python, four or five kids will do JavaScript. And then what we'll do is after they get, I don't know if it's like three weeks or six weeks or whatever, after we get a certain, and they'll be solving the same problem 
And I'll we'll flip them over. Flip them over. And the Python people go to JavaScript, JavaScript, and Python. But they'll be paired. The, what we'll do is we'll, we'll try and get the person already, the kid who already knows Python to teach the JavaScript. Oh, nice. Python, and vice versa. Yeah. They have to explain it. Like, oh, well, this is how you do a loop in Python. And I'm like, well, that's weird. This is how we do it in JavaScript. Yeah. Like, okay. Well, why do you do it that way? Why do you have a semicolon? That's just how we do it in JavaScript. Well, why do you, you know, they just, then they get realized it's just syntax. And, they, and, and there's, there's no better way to learn something or to understand it deeply than it is to teach it. Yeah. And I feel like that would be fun. Plus, it gives them a sense of mastery. It'd be good for us. We'll learn. Yeah. And I figure, like, you know, because. You're, you know, we're both more JavaScript guys, and I can say, okay, you focus on the JavaScript people. I'll spend a little extra time, you know, boning up on my Python, and I'll teach the Python. Not that I have to know very much. To I do think Python way. will be e- easier than JavaScript because, um, well, unless we both make a rule and say we have to do loops with counts, if we, because I think you can do, you don't need counts in Python. We'll, we'll, we'll come up with this. I'm going to right? come up with, yeah, one loop to start. We'll do the simplest type of loop. Right, Rent, you know, for in range or whatever the hell, whatever it is. I yeah. To, but we'll do something simple. And okay. what I want to do, I think the first day we'll do like, um, we'll do like uh, some games like guess a number. Well, first thing will be like print your name, print your name ten times. But you know, do, even doing a loop, like there's the there's the complexity of explaining the array in the first place because a loop makes no sense. I mean, if you're doing a for in, for example, like you just yeah, said, that's a little you know, weird, right? Because then you've got to explain, oh, an array. And then, you know, you've, these, this is what the hash of the array means. This is what the values. So just doing a numerical loop, maybe we easier. could do a while loop. I think maybe just doing a, a, a numerical loop. They like, don't have that in Python. They don't have a four I equals one to 10 thing. Oh, as far as I know, I think you do a for in loop or you can do a while loop or something. Oh, okay. I mean, I'm not a Python expert, so... I, well, you can do a while loop and put a count in it. That's and, ju- and just Yeah, and just, yeah, make but, up your own count. Yeah, I mean, I think you just... You don't want to show people well, five I different ways. Well, I is smaller than 10. Something yeah, like that. Yeah, like, I, I don't think you want to... I don't think you want to show kids more than one way to do things to start it. To show them yeah. one thing. Keep it simple. Build up. Build up from there. But what I'd like to do after we do some... Get through the really basic stuff is I want to have the kids do a interactive uh, what they call interactive fiction or adventure game like a text adventure that's game good. that's cool it's gonna be great because I think they can each invent their own games and we say oh you're standing in a forest you can go left right right what do you want to do and you can start real simple it's just you know it's kind of that loop and then you get you know you could switch on their actions and depending on something they could draw a kind of like diagram on a piece of paper okay where are they in the dungeon or where are they in the forest or whatever how do you deal with that in javascript in terms of waiting for the next command and, and doing it in that linear sequence i think what we're going to do is um is we're just going to we're going to do it through node but i think there's actually a synchronous like you can actually run like a read from input line like synchronously yeah yeah we're kind of i mean it's not in the true nature of node or whatever but it's not important you just want something yeah, okay it's really, really basic, and um, let's do it like cool. that. So I'll get them on Node. It was yeah. funny, yeah. So once, once the kids had, uh, you know, been working on the course, I kind of whispered to you on the side and said, "You know what? I'd use a regular expression to get through that." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know that was hilarious. <laughs> you arguing with the kids about that it was really funny. Yeah, so it was funny. Is like, you know, the only thing, one thing I'll say about this, which. Well, I don't know. I, mean, I have a couple of things I want to say, but it was when you first got started, like I had an idea of things I wanted to say to open up, but I realized one, as soon as we got there, the kids were ready to roll. Yeah. Like, they did not want to listen to anything. They wanted to do stuff. They didn't want teacher to speak at the beginning of the class. No. They were just like, let's do this. So I, I had like, I, w- I was like, all right, here's what we're going to do. I didn't even explain anything. And you're kind of like, okay. <laughs> Here are the cards. Take the cards. I don't think I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't even introduce us. I didn't think yeah. I said my name or who's, your name. Yeah. Was, who's, the, who's this guy? Because they don't care. Yeah, they don't care. <laughs> 
it's just like the kids are just like I realize I got thirty seconds or I'm gonna lose them. So we better just get rolling. That was good. But was good. Uh, last thing, I'll, last thing I'll say is the um, the parents. I got um, emails back from called parents are really excited, and two of the kids, Grant and Ian, their mom emailed me back, and she said um, she said that. Uh, that they loved it and they wanted to like tell their friends about it. She's like, are you looking for more students? Do you want more friends? You know? And it was funny because like they were, they were kids that I wasn't sure they were even going to show up. Like they were, they're kids of a friend of mine. And I told him about it and I wasn't even sure they're in this kind of stuff. And I just mentioned it to him. So it was fun. It was, it was great to hear that they had fun and that they were really excited about it. Yeah. So that, anyway, so it was good. So everybody liked it. Everybody's had fun. Cool. So just, we'll go a few more sessions, see how, See how it works out. The only, the only thing I wish, I wish we had it more than one day a week. And then I wish, of course, we didn't have more than one week. It's like part of me wants it twice a week because I feel like once a week is just a, such a slow pace. But once a week, after I got back to the hours, I was like, whoa, wow, that was exhausting. Yeah, it was heavy. It was exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't yeah, know. I'm like, you should, listeners at home should have seen my the look on my face when he said, I wish we had it more than two, two times a week. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> once a week's good for me <laughs> yeah so anyway that was uh first uh session one of catalyst so yeah, no it went really well congrats well, on that well thanks again for helping me out it was a, actually a huge help having you there and uh sure. you know if I, it was just me me by myself it would have been pretty pretty difficult and of course we had uh one of the parents john he um he was uh very helpful he's a software developer as well so we yeah. had three professional software developers there so that made it a lot easier that's why we picked that's why we picked um programming right well yeah we stacked the deck in our favor it's tough it's tough teaching kids this kind of stuff so you might as well pick something that you know well and so just want to quickly talk about the the donations Mm -hmm. so we had a gobsmacking donation from um kelly miller who basically, after the, all of the, all of the discussion, you know, everyone was like, "Should should Jason buy a podcast? Should you know, an, an, I, an iPod, an iPad? You know, is donate? You know, do you do what you want with the money? Do you not do what you want with the money? Anyway, so I had said in the last show because we haven't done a show for two weeks now, have we? Is that right? Yeah. Well, because last yeah. weekend we, we we just put up the interview show because we, right. we were running really late. Our first show didn't get out to Wednesday. Our, our weekend show two weeks ago didn't get out to Wednesday, so we're like, all right, let's just. So I said that I bought that audio software, right? Yeah. Which cost me 350 bucks, which does a great job, by the way. I mean, I really like mm-hmm. it. Anyway, Kelly Miller donated $300. That's amazing. Which is like wow. astonishing, you know? It's just so Kelly nice. Miller? Yeah, Kelly Miller, yeah. Kelly, thank you very much. That's incredibly generous. That is ridiculously generous. We're very appreciative. So I think he it. had the same, basically the sentiment across the board. Everyone we've talked to is like, spend whatever you want. Yeah, <laughs> just do whatever you want, right? So, but I mean, the only reason we say it in the first place is um, just to have a, you know, just to even pin a little tag on something we may buy. But uh, anyway, Ke- Kelly said in in his um, note, he just said, "I've enjoyed the show for the last two years. Thanks for all the time you guys put into it." Yeah, that's great. So three hundred dollars. That's that's hardcore. And then Ben Boiter, who felt really guilty for bringing the whole audio thing up. He donated fifty dollars. Did I say? Did I mention this? Yeah, la- did yeah. I mention this last, last show, show, or did I just say I didn't last, mention it last show? Last show. Yeah. So his fifty dollars and this three hundred covers it. Covers the whole nice audio so, thing. So that's right. great. That is great. Um, I've got another donation here. Let me just check that it's not. Oh yeah, it, 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 there's another one here. Um, exec- This is another executive producer. So, so Kelly Miller is obviously grand patron times three. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's like just the grandest patron of all time. <laughs> <laughs> he is. That's the most anyone's ever done. I think it. so. Yeah, I think. Did we so. have a two hundred once? I think we we had a one. Yeah, hundred. It was two hundred and one because we'd have, we'd done two hundred one episodes or something like that. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. We're dead. That we was, have to come up with the all-time yeah. the leaderboard. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so um, we also had a donation from Severin Kistner, mm-hmm. who donated $50. Thank you so much for that, executive producer. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Sweet. And uh, we're probably not going to be finishing the show. We mentioned last time that we were going st- <laughs> to... <laughs> oh, you you just threw that out there just to, just to kind of, I don't know. Screw you, you like people. Just, yeah, throw me. So people are like, "Whoa, what are you doing?" So, <laughs> All right. no, that's that's not uh, that's not something we're we're considering right at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Any, any more? Anything more? I talk about donations? No, that's fine. So, I'm, I'm I'm sorry if I've forgotten to mention it. Maybe I've got some other emails, and uh, if if I've forgotten to mention something, just send me a reminder, and I will say it next year. Okay. I th- here's something that's kind of funny. I um, you know, I was thinking about kids that I want to. Uh, uh, you know, wisdom that I wanted to impart to my kids yeah. when they're older. And I, I was thinking like one of my favorite uh, uh, little pieces of nuggets of wisdom or two of them were from uh, the movie Teen Wolf. <laughs> do you remember Teen Wolf from like 1987? Michael J. Fox. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> and so I looked it up on, um, you could look up like, it's like movie quotes or something. Like you just type in a quote and, yeah. and they have like all the best quotes from all of these movies. I mean, okay. it's just, which is great. So I you mean, just type in Teen Wolf quotes. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't remember what I typed in. So, Coach Finstock is his basketball coach. Yeah, and he goes. He says to Michael J. Fox, who's turning into a werewolf, and obviously really upset. Coach, the coach doesn't know that. He just knows that he's dealing with something. He goes, he goes. Uh, there are three rules that I live by: never get less than twelve hours sleep, never play cards with a guy who has the same name as a city, same first name as a city, and never get involved with a woman with a ta- with a tattoo of a dagger on her body. Now you stick with that, and everything else is cream cheese. <laughs> I love that. Right. <laughs> and the next one he goes, he goes. It doesn't matter how you play the game; it's whether you win or lose, and even that doesn't make that much difference. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I was like, that's. A, I wish I had like like thirty of those just built up, and I could just at just the right moment just fire one off. Yeah. <laughs> your, kids, your kids are gonna look at you like, what? What are you even talking about? But uh, anyway, so. Um, What's the next topic? What are we talking? Rob, Rob Walling sent me a great email uh, because I had been speaking about wanting to punch Bluggio in the face and mm-hmm. um, the idea of doing what Rob Walling does. Mm-hmm. Um, so he sent me an email and basically said it, it's an interesting concept, um, but if it was him, he wouldn't buy something from Flipper. Um, that's not the way that he's done what he does. Okay. Um, he, the, the advice he gave was to target a space that you're interested in. So... I don't know, project management or whatever, mm-hmm. and then go and find some app that's out there in that space. And if you can get a sense that they're kind of flailing and they're not really taking off, but they've built a good product, contact them directly and just see if you can buy it. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then basically build it up from there. So they've done a lot of the legwork and you're just kind of rounding it off with your marketing and business experience. Does he explain why, to, why he does it that way and not the... Use, not using Flipper? He says, I'll, re- I'll read his email directly. I bet you won't find something you want on Flipper. There's just not a ton of good apps on it. Any- anything I see that's interesting these days is a private sale. Either I contact someone out of the blue like I did with Hittail, or they contact me because they hear me talking about it. If you were going to do this, I would say not to use Flipper, but to find a niche you want to be in, 
than to find an app that's a bit neglected or failing and contact the owners. That's his advice, straight from the man himself. Right. There you go. Yeah. So why are you still thinking about doing that? No. <laughs> hey, you, 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 always, you always have these little things like, oh, I want to like do an info product. I want to buy an app and flip it. Flip yeah. this app. I, I'm still, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure what I'm doing. Um, one thing I do, I'm really liking the mobile, mobile phones and and the basically mobile space. So I'm thinking about building a project management app in the mobile phone space, which is a kind of crazy thing to think about. I know, but I have a little idea for it. But then. Even before I start doing that, I've kind of got stuck on this path of, well, I really want to build a JavaScript framework so that I can build that. And I know that's just probably really stupid. But anyway, I've got obsessed and I'm, I've now got the absolute madness. I think one of my worst madnesses about building this JavaScript framework. Of all time. Yeah. Well, a couple of things about that. Well, one, I, I, um, I was talking to Georgie about that last night at dinner for a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Know, little side conversations. And she's like, you know... She was saying that after the wives show that she's she's come to a better understanding of how to deal with you, right? Or just deal with things, you know, how to how to manage her geek. Yeah, and she's like, yeah, I just let it go. And I said, you know, she's like, I just let it go. I just worry about the things I need to get done, and I, I'm less concerned about you know whatever she was concerned about before. So I think she's, and I said, it's kind of like a fire. You just kind of need to contain it, and let it until it burns itself out. Yeah, right. Just yeah. let he, he Justin has the madness. It you know. Just if if he's just not being as responsive to the things that he needs to be doing that you think he needs to be doing, just let the fire burn. It will burn itself out or or it will succeed into something incredibly valuable, in which case it's fine. But otherwise, it'll just burn itself out. Just let it let it go. Yeah. She's like, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of how she's thinking about it. Cool. Well, I'm glad you had that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is you initially approached me with the idea. It's like, oh, you know, I want to like build this framework and then I want to build myself as a, and then I can become an expert and get paid a lot of money to be an expert for it. And I, my thought was like, okay, here's the thing with that. There, there are only a, there's a very limited number of frameworks out there that catch fire to the degree that they become sort of a dominant framework and, and yeah, it's easy to yeah. get work out of. I mean, things like jQuery or node or Django or rails or whatever, and things that we all know about, but for all those, you know, there's mega a thousand other ones that are good. Yeah. You know, that they just don't really get that kind of juice. And, um, you know, I, there's probably a lot of reasons why some succeed. Sometimes they're just better than the other ones, but I think sometimes they solve the right problem at the right time. There's a lot of luck involved. I think, I think node node came into being at the time when people were trying to make their apps more, um, sort of real time. So these constant open connections with the with the website, as opposed to just a uh, a polling or just a refresh. Yeah, and it's and it helps solve that kind of that particular type of problem for people who already had skills that they could easily transfer to that. And jQuery basically, the the problem with developing JavaScript before jQuery came along, um, and I see I didn't really get into the Dojo or any of those other libraries, so I, maybe they, they answered this issue as well. But the problem I had was it was just really difficult. <laughs> like it was difficult because of all the minutiae. Like, differences. The, the differences in the browsers, but also it just the issue with undefined variables and all that kind of stuff. And jQuery deals with a lot of that. See, I, you know, because I was doing that stuff before. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, I created, I say Guyon and I created our own little mini JavaScript framework that abstracted a lot of that stuff. Yeah. 
Um, but it didn't wrap everything up into you know, like, like everything becomes a jQuery object and stuff. Yeah. We just had like certain functions that would sort of normalize things, you know, like get window width or get, you know, the, the width of something or the offset. We just return the value and, you know, things like that. And so once you built up uh, uh, this sort of library of utility functions that did all these things, then it was sort of like, it's pretty easy. It's pretty to, easy, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, it, yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd fix those problems, yeah, like yeah. event normalization yeah. or whatever. And then it wasn't that big a deal, unless you got into really tricky things like, um, you know, screwing around with like the um, the text editors and stuff. That was a whole other nightmare. But the bottom line is jQuery solved that problem in a simple enough way at the time when there was sort of this critical mass of people who were trying to do uh, what they call like rich uh client rich client yeah, rich internet applications yeah. Yeah, yeah and rails came along at the time when all when all of a sudden their web apps were really becoming uh you know web-based applications um not just brochure sites were becoming a thing like it was becoming a big enough deal that a lot of companies were doing it a lot of startups were you know people were starting companies that were doing things like that and it uh and, and people had done enough of them to realize, I keep repeating myself. Like, yeah, this is sort yeah. of the same thing over and over again. It's like, you know, I really wish I didn't have to write this, these CRUD but operations you know, over and over when again. when Rails came out, in fact, before Rails came out, I had the exact idea of that type of application. And I wrote this thing called PHP4GL. Mm-hmm. Have I told you this story? Yeah, and then, like, this guy who's a little more senior told you it was a stupid yeah, idea. he said it was a little crap. He said, he said, why would anyone want something like that? And this is, you know, obviously my problem. I'm just, I blow in the wind, right? So I was like, oh, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, you know, I know that's... Well, it's hard to, yeah. it's, you know, it, it's, it's hard to... You can't uh, see, yeah, you can't To see. show resolve, you know, when I, you know, the, especially the face of, say... So dealing, you know, in a conversation with somebody who is not just a peer, but sort of a more experienced person, right. Who you look up to, right, right. You know, and you were you you were newer to the space, newer to the. You weren't quite an expert. You were you were a professional to a degree, but this guy was what like the resident expert on this kind of stuff. He was something? like they, he was considered the he was the guy who built the first version of the whole kind of the product of the whole company that it was was based on. So he was considered like the hardcore genius. Right. So when that guy says this is stupid, you know, it sometimes it's hard to, it's hard in the face of that to to keep, you know, soldiering forward. Well, it, well they have this great quote on the Uber Media wall, um, all truths go through three phases. You probably know this. First, it's ridiculed. Mm-hmm. Second, it's violently opposed. And third, it's accepted as being self-evident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how. That's true. They and and I think Gandhi had a, something. that says, first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win." <laughs> you know, right, right. It's, it's it's sort of similar. Right. That's true. And uh, I mean, uh, more or less. And uh, yeah. So, and well, that's what happens. Some people who violently oppose things, and all of a sudden you're kind of it's a fringe idea. Then everyone's just like completely obvious. It was really funny. Like. A year or a half ago, if you had talked about, you know, I bring up that the NSA, all those articles come up at the NSA yeah. and, you know, collecting information. And, 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 and if you, two years ago, a year and a half ago, if you had said that the NSA, it's quite likely that the NSA is collecting huge volumes. Oh, people of would domestic, have been saying rubbish. That's just rubbish. crazy talk. You're, you're, you're just, um, you're being, you're, you're, you're just, uh, you you know, you're just, you're just crazy. And, and it, there was some, there was a talk, there was an article recently about, uh, about this on, it's popped up in Hacker News on, um, how, uh, the NSA is recruiting hackers 
to join the NSA. And his first top comments are like, oh, yeah, like, yeah, that'll be great. Go to, you know, go work for the NSA and spy on all the fellow Americans. That's a great job. So it's like it was like self-evident, right? Like everybody yeah. knows this now. It, it knows what the NSA is collecting all this domestic yeah. you know, communications. Yeah. And whereas a year and a year, year and a half ago, I mean, maybe, maybe, you know, not that long ago, it was it was just considered crazy. Now, even though there were certain articles and there certain whistleblowers that were coming out, I mean, that guy, uh, Drake, and then William Benny and whatever. There was a series of Wired articles that came out. I mean, I had the reason I had first heard about was in 2006. There was a 60 Minutes profile on an AT&T tech who said they're putting in this this uh, hard room at the uh, at the major switch in San Francisco. I think on Folsom Street, I think it's located. And they were putting this thing called like the NARS box, which is this massively powerful box. To, that would just would sit at the splitter of these huge cables that were coming in on the Pacific, and he was like, "What are they? What are they putting in here?" Right, yeah. you know. And that's what's on sixty minutes was a big deal, and that's when I first heard about that. And I said, "I don't know, that sounds really fishy." Yeah. And people are like, oh, "I don't know, that sounds crazy." Anyway, now it's self evident. Yeah, self evident. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, "Oh, okay, everybody knows that." Um, oh, so anyway, back to your uh, back to your uh, framework. Your thing. framework. Let's get back to framework. Okay, so it's called double dollar. Double dollar, uh, double down. Double dollar, and basically, it's in, like with jQuery, you use one dollar. This, you use two dollars. I mean, it's twice as good? Uh, I don't know if it's twice as good, but it's based on jQuery, so it doesn't usurp jQuery. It's just based on it, but it's it just uses two dollars because I wanted... Uh, what, what Dollar on your dollar, double your money. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted a, just a good, a good namespace so that your whole app was like loaded into this single namespace. Anyway, I showed it to you. Um, I, I don't know if it's going to get good press, to be honest, because it is very different. I had a good look through the kind of top frameworks that are out there and on Hacker News, mm. like Spine.js and Backbone. And, and Spine and was created by our friend uh, Alex McCaw. Yeah. Andy Fu expert. And Batman.js and also the stuff that Thomas, Thomas Fuchs is doing. Uh, which is, he's not advocating a single framework. He's sort of advocating lots of little micro frameworks. So you just create your framework based on lots of little libraries that people use. And then mm -hmm. he ha they have a page, himself and Amy have a page that just has like 50 different libraries that you can use. So my thing is just basically completely different and flies in the face of both of those concepts. So I don't know how well it's going to do, to be perfectly honest, but at, at least it's going to be good for me because it makes it easy for me to build apps. I think that's the main thing. Yeah, well, when you first brought it up and my whole point was like i i don't think that that's the best way for you to make money right i mean because even if even if it catches fire it would probably i mean if it, it, at some point it might be at least a year to 18 months of you spending a lot of time sort of facilitating it minding the garden you yeah. know and, and 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 shaking the trees and promoting it and stuff like that and then if you get really lucky and it takes off it's gonna be a while before companies are really using it and it's beyond the early adopters playing with it and the people like in the you know you have to have like probably before anyone is spending any money hiring people to do it there's going to be a hundred articles on hacker news like hey i was playing out my my favorite new javascript framework it's, called double dollar and that's it, I mean, it's so different to the accepted normals the accepted norms that i just don't i can't imagine it taking for holding that well you were super excited now you're now you're now you're doubting What's yeah i just because after really you know doing the 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 research <laughs> into mm -hmm. the other frameworks it's it just doesn't do what they do it's it's a different thing well it's, that's that can that can be well see if it did the same thing then is everything people are like well why are you doing this right just use meteor you just use ember or you just use backbone but if it doesn't if it does different things then yeah there might be people out there who say well great this is the things that i want done so yeah i mean i think part of you know uh, uh what makes a 
product successful or a framework successful is you're solving the right problem at the right time. Right. Well, I, the, what, what I'm going to do is, I mean, I showed you the documentation. I mean, any thoughts? What did you think? Well, I, thought it was, I thought it was looked very, very well done. I mean, you know, you, I got a five minute like yeah. blow through and I said, wow, the documentation looks slick. Yeah. You know, it did it seem easy to use? Yeah. I mean, does it look, does it look like, it wasn't like I, I had, it, it looked like you could get, make things happen in a few lines of code. Right. Which is always good. Yeah. And it looked clean and simple, but you know, as I said to you before the show, I, for me to really have an opinion on it, I'd have to like play with it and try and use it. You know, it's like hard yeah. to, it's hard to have a strong opinion on it, other than that. It looked like you put some, some love because, into this but, thing. Because those guys, like those frameworks, when they write them, they they seem to be, well, not the Thomas Fuchs stuff, that's micro framework, but the other stuff like Batman, JOS, JS or Spine, they seem to be very much about formalized models and formalized controllers and, you know, auto binding of events and kind of changing state and all that kind of stuff. Whereas what I'm doing is just really pinning down the namespace and formalizing, creating convention, really creating convention. And then also some other weird stuff that I told you about where it's like double dollar itself is this weird kernel that just basically slurps in objects Mm -hmm. and, and converts it into code. Does it handle like client side, like kind of restful routing stuff? It, it, yeah, it, it does, yeah. Okay, it the does. back button and all that stuff. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah. it handles that kind of stuff, yeah. Anyway, so um, I'm going to build this, and then on top of it, I'm going to start building this project management app idea I've got. And I'm also going to build some other mobile apps. That's what I'm going to do. I don't know where it's going to go. We'll see. But you know what? If anyone, if anyone's out there, uh, any, any JavaScript programmers would like to have a, a look at, a preview look at Double Dollar, I'd be really interested to get feedback and... Uh, criticism <laughs> or whatever um yeah. so just just send me an email to the podcast at textinglive.com so you know the and then in that initial conversation we had about it because you seem to be like you were solving two you were optimizing two things you wanted to build the reason you were doing the framework one was because you just wanted the framework built you wanted to use a framework that you wanted to use because i mean you wanted you you wanted a framework out there that that work the way you work because i i keep building apps pure javascript apps basically because that i guess the other thing i should mention is the use case like the use case is not for an app that's going to be seo friendly it's not for an app for just a typical website it's basically a single page web app that has a shitload of code behind it to do all sorts of different things and do pop-ups and basically creating like desktop software with javascript and i keep on doing it and i'm doing it for uber media and I just keep on, you know, w- w- my core namespace, for example, with Ubermedia is um dot. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just annoying because I, that is, makes it difficult to share code between all these different projects. Mm-hmm. So that's why I've just said, okay, look, I'm just going to create this double dollar so that I've just got this concept and the framework's double dollar. And like, it just makes it really easy for me to share components between right. different projects. Right. Anyway. So, the, the, but the thing, the, what I want to end up saying to you, because your other thing you were optimizing for was income you're like right. i want to make more money yeah i you know, like i want to make any foo expert kind of money right hourly right. rate and what's a what's sort of coming to me more recently because i've been approached by more than one person more than one company more recently about this and so i thought you know if this is clearly something that you could do as well and that people want is be an on-call cto on-demand CTO, on yeah, demand I love CTO. it. So it's sort of like, 
you know, there's a lot of companies, and I don't mean like the one person bootstrap startup. I mean companies that they have a little bit of funding. They got you know one or two business guys, or maybe a lot of times it's like you know it's a business guy and he's hired. He's he's outsourcing has some contract coders doing stuff, but it's sort of the technology and the technology decisions are starting to just become too much for them. Or they spend all their time, um, they spend all the time trying to manage the contractors and not work, focusing on the business. And I think that you could make $200 an hour, not $100 an hour, but $200 an hour. Um, that's more along the rates that I'm hearing, 200 and up. If you did a limited number of, of uh, on-demand CTO hours per client. I mean, you may only make two to $4,000 a month, but you might have three or four or five clients. And you do things like help them uh, figure out what's the architecture, what's the technology strategy over the next you know, year. 18 months, we're going to roll out this API, we're going to do this mobile app, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. Um, because, you know, oh, you could do things like, you know, okay, what's our security? How, how are we dealing with security? Okay, uh, they might even know they have security problems. They don't even know about, like, well, how do we do penetration testing? Like, you, you can obviously do all the basic stuff, like, okay, are we hashing passwords? Are we stretching? Are we salting? What hashing are we like, what? What are you even talking about? Like, you know, what, 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 is, it, what is a well-structured API? Do they need to build in subsystems? Do we need, what kind of databases? Are we in a VPS? Are we on Amazon? I mean, does the the amount of things that non-technical people who are starting a web mobile business have to think about that are beyond them. Well, they don't know what they don't know is the truth. They just don't know what they don't know. And frankly, they don't want to deal with it, but they can't afford a full-time CTO. And a lot of times they're like, well, I need a technical co-founder. I keep hearing the technical founder. And Pat Maddox and I went into this, um, this is like uh, a couple months ago, maybe, um, we went, there's a co-working space in uh, Santa Monica called Coloft, and we were in, we were asked to come in and give a um, what was it called? I, I guess it was uh, I don't know. It was like it was basically like that. We we were like a CTO type conversation. So we would sit in a room, and every hour a new startup would come in, and they would say, "Here's what we're trying to do. What should we do? Should we outsource this? Should we build this? Should we change this API? Which you know." And uh, a lot of them were like, we're, you know, we need to get a technical co-founder because we're trying to raise money or I need a technical founder for this. And a couple of them, I was saying, you don't need a technical founder. You guys have already gotten there. You know, you just, you know, but what I think they needed was what I'm talking about is somebody who could give maybe five, 10 hours a week tops of, of help. Yeah, I think that's great. I'd, I'd absolutely love to do that. And to be honest, I do find myself doing that anyway. On the contracts that I take. So it'd be great to just do that to start off with. Well, because, see, here's the thing. You can provide a lot more value than just, say, writing PHP code or writing SQL queries or writing jQuery, right? I mean, the going rate, it's hard to get too much more than $100 an hour for that, even if you're really skilled, because there are people out there who do it for $50 an hour, and it's hard for them to go, well, why would I pay you $100? But for someone who's providing CTO-level advice, say, listen, what I'm going to tell you right now is going to save you two months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and what I'm going to tell you right now, like, well, how should I collect payments? Dude, you Stripe, do this, do this. And they're like, oh, like right now, I just saved you two weeks of, or a month of merchant account hell. Well, how do I get payouts? So they, okay, you just go. You I think this probably applies to a lot of, a lot of our listeners, you know, like a lot of people who are at a similar level to us. But one, one question is, where would you find that, that work? How would you go about finding Well, that the work? first thing I would do is I would uh, call the... Um, people up at the Coloft and say you'd be or email them and say I'd be willing to come and up you know tell them that you're a friend of mine yeah you can CC me on it and, and Pat and that uh, 
you know, you'd, you'd be, you think it'd sound like a fun thing to do, come down there and talk to, spend a whole day. I only did a half day. Pat was like, hey, we come down and do this. And I was like, I can't do a whole day, man. I said, right. I'll do half a day. I'll go after lunch. Yeah. You go down there in the morning, spend a whole day. You'll talk to 10, 11 startups. Can you do on, on the weekend? Probably not. Right. Okay. That's I mean, good. you probably get a few of them, but it's not the same thing. Okay. But that's the kind of thing you can do because you're going to, you're going to end up talking to, you know, you're going to be you're going to be blown out but in a day but you'll right. talk to 10 startups and if you give them a lot of good advice in one hour they're going to be like wow this guy is good i like talking to him he seems like a nice guy he really knows what he's talking about and uh, you might get one or two out of the 10 you might get one or two companies to say hey you know can we maybe like you can say hey listen you know good luck with everything here's what i think you should do i also do this ongoing here's my card yeah you know if if you want to create something more formal i can uh, a few hours a week you know, I can do it. That's what, that'd be my first shot. Cool. Well, I like that idea. Yeah. I just think there's just, there's just a lot. The thing that's is, a, that's so basically I was saying, oh yeah, I'll make this pro, I'll make this framework so that I can be an expert in something. And you're like, okay, it's just faster to just be an on-demand CTO. Okay, cool. <laughs> I get it. Well, you know, it's just, it's just, there's, there's a lot, you can deliver a lot more expertise. Right. You have an expertise already. Yeah. And that's actually probably more valuable to companies. The people are actually going to write the checks than, say, being an expert in a uh, specific language, te- yeah. a specific language or something. And, uh, you know, and it's, and it's actually just like we're talking to Lance and Joanna. It's just talking on the phone or not having a deliverable give advice. It's easier. Yeah. It's easier than writing code if you know what you're talking about. If you know what you're talking about, then you're going to get yourself into trouble and it's going to be stressful because <laughs> you're going to be make, saying things you know. But if you say, you know, like, you know, the thing is to be important. Say, look, you say, look, I'm not an expert in this or this. I'm familiar with, I'm familiar with all these things. This is a lot like this, but here's what I think you should do. Because most of these decisions aren't that specific, right? You're not saying like, well, what's the best way to implement a router in this particular framework? It's like, that's, no, no, no. that's not the level. You, that's the contractor who's building it and that will do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot so. of times it's as simple as saying, you need mock-ups. <laughs> don't mock- start coding you need mock-ups you know or like oh uh, we're gonna use amazon for this and that's like dude just rack space yeah just quit just quit being all cute i mean you can do that later you got right. like five li- five users mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a shared account or v or a cheap 50 dollar month vps you know they people get so cute they they, they get like it's what they call it, get a little too they're a little too clever by half yeah you know it's just keep it simple okay so do you have any links that are or any stories that are just Nothing to do with us, just interesting tech stuff or interesting conspiratorial stuff. Hey, first of all, I'm not interested in conspiratorial things. I heard you made a little oh. little dig at the last show. <laughs> Everything I talk about is sourced directly from like the New York Times okay. or the Economist or whatever, right? So it's like I what I do is I talk about things that are like on the tenth page or the back page. It's like kind of bad news, foreign policy, okay, economic so stuff it's, that it's, people don't really follow. It's just people don't want to know about. It's it's, it's bad news. It's, it's bad. well, it's, it's it's not stuff that's gonna make you it's the shit that's happening. It's like here's reality. Here's a okay, little taste of reality for okay, you. You probably enough. don't know about this. Probably don't care. You probably should care a little bit. Yeah. Just you know, I'm giving you a little medicine. All right. Okay. <laughs> but um. So what should I call it? Just dark news. It's, it's called letters news. from the dark side. Okay, letters from the dark side. He's got okay. the dark side. I like a little right. dark side. Go on. Then. I don't know. I have a, I have a little. Uh, you know, like I said, I. You know, sometimes it's just like it's it's. I guess it's kind of. Um, you know, it's, it's been the same way people like they, they look at uh, accidents on the road. They can't help but look. Oh, you it's can't. Like, it's like when you're watching a train wreck, you can't. You, you know, it's stop. like I can't. Like I know, but see, I'm aware of stuff now. I'm aware of enough things that are going on that, especially when other people don't know about them, and yeah. I'm just like, yeah, this is kind of more people should know about this. But right. 
you know, but then again, I think spending too much time thinking about things like politics is, uh, it's kind of like junk food. You can have a little bit too much. You should waste your time, mm-hmm. stress you out. Don't worry about it. Just, I don't pay attention to like, like I don't pay attention to the current political race. I was like, whatever. Okay. It's just, you know, it's just a waste of time. But, um, so, but I got a couple of things I want to talk about. Go on then. So here's a funny story. So Sandy's, uh, Sandy's parents were, uh, visiting. He's, he had his, um, ankle fused i think it was he's had a really bad ankle injuries from like he was a pole vaulter and long jumper and wow back when he was in high school or college and uh you know i always hear about these things that like when you get these injuries when you're young they um they come back to you and haunt you in your 60s and 70s you get arthritis well his he's he's a perfect example right so he's his his ankle last three four years just really been getting problems but he's a very active guy like rides his bike and runs and but late last years he hasn't been able to do anything other than ride his bike and so finally, after Sandy's just been pushing him, he finally like, went to see this like you know, top-notch world specialist in, in this particular type of surgery. And they like kind of fuse the bo- ankle bone so that you can actually be active again. You don't have the same range of, like, of motion anymore, whatever. So he, they've been back and forth about every month, staying with us a few days, because the, 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 the doctor is here in L.A. and they live in northern Las Vegas. So, so her, her dad, Bill, his name's Bill. Bill is um, he's like watching the football game or something, and I guess... You know, the kids, we have a lot of stuff on the DVR, a lot of stuff scheduled, gets automatically recorded. We probably have like a hundred, we had like 120 hours of stuff recorded. So he's on, and I guess he's trying to clear out some space for the football game, or yeah. I think it was, one, it was like Monday Night Football or something, he's trying to record it or <coughs> do something. And so then he goes, and, and Sandy goes, what, Sandy was trying to record the football game because we always like to watch Monday Night Football, Monday or, it was like Sunday or Monday night, when, when, late at night after the kids are bed, we can just, relax and watch it and Sandy goes like, what, what did you do did you just delete the football game he's like I think I just deleted your whole DVR <laughs> oh, no. she's like what oh, so he man. goes over there like, and literally everything I mean like you know we had probably had like 15 or 20 of the kids favorite like animation type movies wow like you know dozens of like that's hard to do. You must have to press, like, confirm I've, about five times. He went nuclear. I have no idea. How do you do? I was calling it was like, a, it was like a, um, what they call a sunbeam cookout. Like, you know, like in, uh, in the viruses, they talk about, like, when, they, when, there's, when an entire village has been completely affected. And there's no one, all the humans are dead, but it's just like this virus infected, like Ebola or something. They just, like, like, like napalm the whole thing. It's called, like, a sunbeam cookout. They just incinerate, so it's not a living thing. Yeah. I'm like, you just... You just gave our <laughs> the sunbeam cookout. I mean, you just nuked it. Did, did you? Were you laughing at the time? Well, he walked in and Sandy goes, "Yeah, I think I think Dad just deleted the DVR." I'm like, honestly, I don't know what to say. These <laughs> 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 speeches, I'm like, what? How is that even possible? Because you know there were a lot yeah. of stuff on there that I wanted to watch. There were a lot of um, things. So I came up with. So then we're sitting around, Sandy and I are joking about it later. And so I said, I said we should come up with a T-shirt for Bill. Right. So I can, here's, a, here's a list of the t-shirts I came up with okay. like the front of the back. I mean, like, here's the first one. You know, you know, like the Nike, just do it. Just delete it. Exclamation point. <laughs> <laughs> and on the back, because it's not my fucking DVR. <laughs> oh, <you're> right. <laughs> here's another one. Nothing spells love like D-E-L-E-T-E. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, where's my DVR? <laughs> If delete is the question, the answer is yes. And finally, want a fresh start? Try select all delete. <laughs> wow. So I was just, uh, yeah, it was brutal. Wow. But, you know, it was fine. It was like it was, it was like a fresh start. We got a whole new DVR. It's like, okay. Yeah. I guess it's a fresh start. So uh, I'll get another funny thing today. So 
Well, yes, this is another, I guess, kid thing. So well, I won't spend too much time on it. But so today we got uh, the results for Colby's, uh, like the, uh, they call it the, I think at the star test. It's basically like their California, you know, academic test. So they say so they can rank schools and kids, like what percentile of schools in, or what percentile your kids in or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, Colby did well. He was in the advanced in both reading and, and math stuff. So it was all fine. Yeah. But the funny thing was, he was like in the 100th percentile in algebra and functions. And he was in like the 67th in addition and subtraction. You know what that spells? That spells, I don't give a crap. <laughs> like he just wow. like, he just does, he's just like, eh, adding and subtracting. Like I could tell he just was like, yeah, whatever. Eh, whatever. Like I get it. It was just so funny. I'm like, I could just see his personality all over this test. Like, the hard things, the abstract things, he did great. Like, the addition and subtraction, he just kind of just... That's nuts. I think he just ran out of juice. It was like 22 questions. I think he just kind of got bored and was just like... Oh, did what? you ever say... I mean, I can't remember whether you said this uh, on the show or to me in private about ADHD or something like that mm-hmm. with Colby. Does he... No, he doesn't have ADHD. Yeah, he uh, just... Um, those symptoms sometimes because he's, it's he's just, too good, is it? What do you mean? Because, like, well, in this case, you're saying, because it's like he's bored of it. He doesn't want to do it. Yeah, Colby has it just, like, he just, he's very independent and self-directed. Yeah. And he's just not, like, like, my daughter, Ari, she wants to please. Right. She wants to please you. And it makes her very upset when you get mad at her and she's... Hasn't pleased you. She's disappointed okay. you, right? Yeah. And sometimes right. she wants to do something, and she's only four and a half, right? And so, you know, her what she wants, and she can't help but do things her way, even though it's going to get her trouble. And then she's just very upset. Kobe doesn't really do that. He doesn't. He doesn't respond so much to external um, incentives. It's really internal. Like he doesn't like. Oh, that's going to make your teacher really happy. So yeah, whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> he just doesn't. And and so that can be a very powerful. Um, personality trait. He could also be a difficult personality trait. Right. So Colby has some personality traits. He's very high energy. He's very self-directed. He's incredibly stubborn. And uh, he thinks he knows everything. Right. <laughs> right. So, I mean... Uh, Doesn't sound like anyone we know. Hey, easy. <laughs> yeah. No, I, um, I know. I, I totally could. I'm like, yeah, that's... Well, just like with Izzy, the teacher's like, yeah, she just talks all the time. I'm like, yeah, I kind of have to... That's because <laughs> yeah. I because I wanted to send you these um, articles. I mean, it's probably like not interesting for you, but I wanted to just mention them to you anyway. Because uh, I remember hearing like five years ago that gluten was was highly linked to ADHD behavior, mm-hmm. and they did that. Th- there was a trial. I've got I've got the links that I'm going to send you to the trial that they did, and basically they put these kids on a gluten free diet for six months. And it changed the behavior of ADHD like pretty significantly. So I just thought I'd send you that information. Yeah, check it out. Yeah, I mean, Colby sure. has a huge, a, a, a powerful. He has he has a, a a great ability to concentrate on something he cares about. I mean, he can yeah. work on some really complicated Lego thing or some complicated you know video game or whatever for for like you know an hour you know hour and a half. But yeah, you know, no problem. You know, but um, you know, it's not that bad. He's just he's just a he's just a you know, seven-year-old boy, right? Yeah. And, and yeah. Uh, he's just on the further on the distribution. He's one of those kids that are just a little more work than others. Yeah. You know, I don't. I wouldn't call him a. You know, he doesn't have like learning disabilities. No, he's a little genius, to be honest. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. He's uh, he's a handful. So um, let's see. What do we got here? Um, 
you got a couple things. Well, you know, one thing we should cover real quickly is one of our listeners um, had a uh, wanted a lot critique. A link. Oh, right. Okay. Did you uh, did you download the app? No, I didn't. You didn't. No, I didn't. no homework. You never do the homework. Everyone thinks that everyone thinks that I'm the nice guy, but you are honestly the nice guy, to be honest. And I think that I think Lance and Joanna know that now that they met us <laughs> last night. <laughs> All right. So let's see here. What do we got? Um, um the app. So he, he Chris Williams. Is so a but because basically he was he's sent this in to you because when we were talking about memory hole, right? He was thinking, oh, I've written that app. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's the reason why he contacted us in the first place. So the gist of the story is that um, he was moving to Norway. I think Oslo, but at least definitely or- Norway. What's his name? Chris Williams. Oh, okay. Did you say, say it already? About four times. But oh, okay. Say it again, Chris Williams. All right, fair know. enough. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so um, he wrote a, an app to help him remember um, Norwegian vocabulary. Which... It's probably pretty difficult to remember. Yeah, well, he wanted something like, you know, just an example. You're riding on the bus or a train. You look out, you see a sign of some word you've never seen before. Type it in. Quiz yourself on it later. It's okay. a good idea. Yeah. So he actually built it with titanium. Oh, awesome. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it looks good. You know, I mean, I haven't really used it that much. I, let me just go oh, with this right here. So let's see. It's called WordPoke. Word, WordPoke. WordPoke.me. So it's uh, well, let's take a look at it here. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty cute. Is is that your uh, is that your review? Well, I don't know. I mean, I, it's hard for me to review it too heavily because I'm not trying to learn another language. Because it's not exactly what you wanted to do, right? What you wanted to do was space learning about anything. You wanted to put clip snippets of text and links, basically. Yeah. No. Th- yeah. This isn't this isn't solving my problem. Um, it's. It's 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 cool in that it seems to be a good solution for doing what he wanted, which was learning, say, vocabulary words or whatever. Um, and it has something like had reminders and notifications and stuff. Um, you can have a list of words. It's it's kind of similar to things. Something I used to say before was like this: the space learning app called Memo Sign. It's kind of yeah. like Super Memo Plus. Um, and it seems it's it, I mean it it's, it seems. Like it's a well done app, and um, how much does it cost in the app store? It's like a, a dollar. Okay, dollar. Yeah, it's like nine nine cents, I think. And he built it with titanium, right? And you're working on a titanium project right now. Yeah, I'm building a little, just a just a little small thing. And um, uh, well, first I want to just finish up his just talking about uh, WordPoke. So I don't really have a, a strong like like mobile app critique. I'm not a mobile app developer. Yeah, per se. I mean, I haven't. I mean, I've done a little bit, but I, I don't. I don't think I'm really qualified to say. Well, based on best practices, this is how it should work. I seems fine. I, in fact, I don't even use a whole lot of mobile apps. To be honest, my kids use the mobile apps. They play the games on my phone more than I use anything. But um, he said that he used Titanium, and I guess he he wrote the initial version a while back, an earlier version of Titanium. He said there were some bugs, but he worked through them, and you know. Um, but he said Titanium worked. You know, yeah. which is my experience. I had built an, an, an iPhone app, kind of a, was like a Groupon meets Foursquare. It definitely works. It it bugs me that it can't be, um, you know, like it, it bugs me that you have to learn their new API rather than just use HTML, JavaScript. See, I I I, I don't know why you did that because I their 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 API is easy. 
Yeah. Ah, it is so easy. Yeah. It is so nice and simple. And because when you built Swarm, you like just use it to host a, a, like a web view and you yeah. build everything is, which I thought was really weird. I thought right. it was really kind of back ass word. But I guess if you're just trying to like use what you already know as opposed to building stuff directly. Well, I don't more. think it would be particularly easy to build like all the animation and board drawing and all that kind of stuff. I mean, in titanium, right? right. Uh, I, I don't know, maybe. It, it looked like they're, I was, I was kind of looking through their kitchen sink app, which has yeah. all of their animations and looked like you could do all that stuff. I mean, the stuff that I did wasn't uh, graphical. But then it's just in Titanium. Like, for example, the whole Swarm thing that I built can totally be on the web. I mean, you could use the exact same engine to put it on the web, right? If you wanted to build a web-based network game. Um, so, you know, I, I, anyway, I, I think that the, the, the future that I'm interested in is um, trying to make HTML and CSS feel native. I'm really interested in that. Well, I, I was in this little app I was trying to build. Um, I was just trying to do a um, a mobile web app. Yeah. But it was it was just so irritating. Like you couldn't get rid of the um, of the uh, address bar. Right. And that was annoying. That was screwing up my stream because I was trying to do an instant like a like a what they call instant lookup. But you, but you were just thing. building that in Safari, like so that people viewed it in Safari, was it? Or you well, were just? I was just trying to know. I was added. You added it as a bookmark, and you know. But any time that a text box in gets input, gets focus, and it brings up the keyboard, that uh, dress bar is going to go down. I even did a. Uh, well, I'm just showing you that this this app that I'm building right now, and there's no address bar. So let's see. Huh? How'd you do that? Well, because it's wrapped up in PhoneGap. Oh, it's a phone gap, but I'm talking right. a web app. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I mean, see, yeah, I mean, you know, and you're, and you're still doing it as a web view. A web page, yeah. Right, right, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. But you could never tell that that is a web page. Right, right. So, except that you have, I don't know, can you, you have this next previous done thing that sits above your, That's, yeah. Can you get rid of that? I don't think you can get rid of that. No, so you can get rid of that because titanium builds okay, native right. stuff. So you yeah. can get rid of that stuff. Yeah. So yeah. I wanted to get rid of that. So yeah. I was like that, and the URL bar was pissing me off because it was taking up all the screen vertical screen real estate. Yeah. when I was trying to do an instant lookup, okay. like you have like in the app store. Yeah. Anyway, so just having another look at titanium. Has it come a long way since you used it? You used it what a year ago? Was it? Uh, I'm thinking like a year and a half. Year and a half. Two yeah. Years ago, yeah. Two years ago. I mean, it was a while ago. Um, something like that. But the the documentation has come along come a long way. Yeah, and I think the um, then it, it seems much less buggy. Oh, because that's I, important. Yeah. Much less buggy and much better documentation. And whenever I I do a search on Google, like how do you do X, I can find a lot of examples. Okay, on Stack Overflow and other places. So it's not like you know, there's no example of how to do. Well, that's great. X. So it's re- so it's really come a long way. And you're finding this this is your second Titanium app that you've built. And is it just, is it happening quickly? It's kind of it's coming easy. together fast. And, and most of it's just like me, just kind of like, okay, so like, how do you do this? Like the first time, you know, yeah, you're like, because like, yeah. like, I mean, I, I'd kind of forgotten a lot of it, you know, yeah. and, and, and I think all the API has probably changed and matured a little bit, but I, I was just trying to remember how to do stuff and it's kind of just wasting time doing things. But the next time, I mean, jeez, I could So you recommend no. Titanium is uh, a great way to build. And what about, um, I, I can give a final like like recommendation in like another month yeah a few weeks let me spend a little more time on it and deploy because it could be one of those things where it's like the first 80 percent and then the last 20 percent is quite difficult could be but i'm not seeing that at all yeah i'm seeing like it's like everything what about if you want to get it to android is it easy it's the same thing it's just like it's it it, it, you have the common code and you have folder you can fork and you say okay well get 
you know, if, if it's if it's Android, use this view, use this file. If yeah. it's iPhone, this file, and they'd be slightly different. So it's not code. exactly, you don't use the same code, you use forked code, basically. So you have like, your business logic is the same, but your UI logic is forked. Some of the UI logic can be the same, but sometimes you have the, the like, you know, and I haven't, I haven't really played with the Android um, version as much yet, so... Yeah. I think there are certain controls that just don't exist. They don't have a, a, a an exact analog. Right. So it's like, okay, this 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 window needs to be its own. Like it's it's the same name, but I'm gonna do it differently in the Android version than I'm in the iPhone. But it's just like JavaScript and the pages are small. I'm like, this is just easy. Easy. I don't. I mean, it's like it's so easy. You don't know I, why everyone isn't doing it. I don't know. I, I like it. I I think it's great. Um, Sweet. So I but uh, but you know this is obviously I've only playing around with it for you know less than a week. Yeah. So I don't, and, and, and I probably put a total of 10, 15 hours in it tops over the weekends and stuff. So it's not that big a deal, but in terms of time investment, so or I, I say it's not that big. I mean, it's, I don't have that cool. much what, what kind of a thing time are you building? sunk into it so I can say authoritatively that. What kind of a thing are you building? What kind of an app? Um, you don't, you don't need to get specific. It, it's, it's, is it like a, it's more like a, it's kind of like an app store type of a thing think oh i see okay so like it like an app store type of an app right yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there are tabs and they're they're like the nav tab navigation and different yeah. windows and cool. table views and modals and logins and stuff Oh, nice and, yeah you know i i you know it's it's, it's not a, it's not like anything crazy complicated but um it's pretty slick for what it is well i think we should end up with this next one really um, already yeah Jeez, that was fast um i got a uh <laughs> I got a couple things I wanted to bring up. Go on then. Um, so there's an article uh, about how the on Al Jazeera, the web giants are forming a powerful lobby in the U.S. Just as I had suggested about. Remember when that was it uh, that was it CISPA or whatever that SOPA? Yeah. Came out and I was like, you know, what needs to happen is there needs to be ultimately the web companies. Are they need to put to, money behind it. They're gonna have to put money behind it, and they're gonna have to protect their interests. Now, hopefully, their interests will be aligned with web users yeah. in general. But I don't think it's necessarily the case. But ultimately, that's the only way they're going to be able to keep, maintain their turf. And that's what they're doing. I mean, it's just game theory, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's like, if they don't have to spend money on it and time on it, they're not going to. And I'm sure there's some, a lot of the thinking is like, ah, oh, they don't believe in spending money in politics or they don't want to spend, they don't want to waste time thinking about it. But they're realizing we just kind of have to. Yeah. It's otherwise- like saying, like, I don't believe in like, Spending a lot of money on lawyers. It's like, well, don't spend money on lawyers, but when you get sued, <laughs> don't cry about it, right? right. Don't, you, don't, don't want to spend money on lobbyists, well, or, or you don't want to spend money on, uh, on uh, donating campaigns and stuff, and you're a big company, and you represent a big part of an industry. Well, don't, you know, don't cry when other industries are uh, pushing through legislation. That Was there any more specifics in the article? Or? Yeah, so like, you know, it's Google, Amazon, eBay, and Facebook are four of them i mean i think there's a lot of other ones are joining it's called the internet association they got a lot of money oh, a lot man. of money behind that lobby yeah. but they've only the, the numbers you're seeing are like you know i think it was like a couple million per quarter per company like oh, really you know, google's like 2.9 million in the second quarter i mean it's not like they put in like 50 million but you know there's a couple there's a couple of interesting um shows on uh, npr money um and uh, i think this american life even had a show on it talking about how a lot of companies can get like a hundred times a hundred x return on their money, you know, 
By lobbying. By lobbying. Yeah. I mean, it's just, Jeez. you know, but depending on the issue and what they're trying to do. But, um, and there's some great, uh, there's some great episodes on that. <laughs> great in the sense that they're very revealing and also it's very depressing. When you listen to stuff, you're like, oh, this is just irritating. But, um, so the issues that, the, but so the issues they're representing aren't necessarily issues that everyone's going to care about, but that's ones that they care about. Right. I mean, it's all self-interest. Um, which, you know, is how the world works. <laughs> so it's issues such as easing visa restrictions to hire overseas engineers, mm-hmm. revenue rate repatriation, right? That's their own best interest. They want, they make money overseas and they want to bring it in and not pay taxes yeah, on it. Yeah. Um, which is funny. I remember a, uh, in, did you, did you read Steve Jobs biography? Not yet. No. Um, talk about, uh, anyway, there's a part in there was funny where they get, I think it was, was it Obama who came for a dinner and they had uh, a bunch of um, like like the CEOs of the top companies over for dinner? Steve, Steve Jobs was like, uh, I don't know, it might have been Jeff Bezos. It was definitely Mark Zuckerberg or whatever. And I think it was Chambers who was like the Cisco guy or something. He's talking about like, his big thing he kept talking about was like, and the meeting was supposed to be about how to make the world a better place, how to use the web to make the world a better place and stuff. And he's just talking about like, you know, uh, revenue repatriation or whatever. Who Mark was? Zuckerberg, uh, I think it was Chambers. I think it was right, the yeah, guy. Yeah. And, and Zuckerberg turned on link someone who's like, I thought we were supposed to be talking about making the world a better place. And all this guy is talking about his own self-interest, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, so revenue repatriation, privacy, cybersecurity, and sales tax for internet companies. So it's not like they're just... Well, Amazon lost that sales tax thing. They have to... They, have they to, did lose that? I think so, yeah. Positive? I, yeah, well, not 100%, but I, I'd... My mother-in-law said to me, oh, I'm so sick that I have to pay sales tax on Amazon purchases. Hmm. So if she's saying it, Maybe that's, that's the, you know, that's the, that's the gospel. mother-in-law says it, it's true. That's the gospel. All right. Um, anyway, next on to uh, another thing. So um, a friend of mine who works as a uh, technical recruiter called me and was like trying to recruit people for like sort of the uh, the investment world, the uh, High frequency trading shops, the hedge funds, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I got an email from him too. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so he's like, he he says, yeah. Well, these he's like, well, they're they're looking for people really good. He's like, but you know, be honest, these companies, this company in particular, doesn't really care what they think. Like kind of like like they like they they just want the developers to write great code and to shut up. Like I don't really care what their opinion is on their business or their opinion on you know, how to do things the right way or whatever. And I was like, you know, I really don't think that's how you're going to get the best people. Because right. the best people want to have a certain amount of say about their environment, about how things should be done. And, you know, it may be the truth that that companies don't um, really care what the developers think. I mean, Google may not really care what most of the Google developers think or Amazon or Facebook care what their developers think but you at least have to kind of pretend that you do yeah yeah <laughs> that you're taking into consideration if right out of the gate you're like first of all i want to say to you is shut up that's my first thing to say is just shut up <laughs> you're getting paid and just shut up and, and you're gonna do what you're told you know you, you have that attitude you're not gonna get anybody but third-rate people yeah or you might get people who could to, to te- who test well or ha- maybe they maybe they have a, a degree at a good university but they're not going to be the kind of people who are going to be top-notch people i don't think people are going to really come up with a lot of great ideas and, 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 and make the giant leaps forward that your business is going to need to be. Yeah. But you, you've never worked in a, in a corporate environment and like, it is frustrating. I can tell you, like 
you you do always feel, especially if you're an entrepreneurial type of person, mm-hmm. it's very frustrating in in that kind of. No, that's why I never worked there because I yeah. I don't I can't I can't work in that. I can't really do that. Yeah, I can't be around that. I just wouldn't I wouldn't put up with it. That's why I wouldn't put myself in the position. <laughs> so, uh, but it's just kind of funny. I had to sound like I, I said I think you need to educate your clients if they want the top people. They're going to need to have change their mindset or at least pretend to change their mindset. You know. So you can't have people move to New York. So your advice is going to basically teach uh, some bigwigs in a company how to scam people into get it working for them. Well, I wasn't saying that. I was just, well, I was just like, I just, I mean, you're not going to get these, these clients are not going to get top people. They have a very hard time. Well, just don't say people. that. Don't say it that you don't, you just, just say everything else, but just leave that part out. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, it's the truth. Management, anyone who thinks that management cares much more than what management than what they care about, right? They care about what they care about. You know, yeah, they want the, the, their working staff to be happy enough so that they're not bitching and making their life when they're doing a good job. But in the end, you know, what? I mean, that's just how the world is. You know, I mean, yeah. maybe there's some really nice CEOs and many man- nice management teams that are real touchy feely. But I think once companies get beyond a certain size, get beyond a couple hundred people, a few hundred people. I think it's just like, eh. I agree. You know? And even 50 people. <laughs> they're just cogs. I mean, to them, they're just like, <laughs> they're, right. they're just like, yeah. you know. It, well, to, to, to build a good business, uh, like a scaled business, you need that. You need redundancy in people. Well, that's, that's, that's the sad truth about it. And, that, and, that's, and that's why companies so badly want methodologies or processes or want uh, that make it so that people are interchangeable. And they want to believe in some way that people aren't, that there aren't developers out there who are 10 times or 100 times more productive than other developers. Right, right. It's just, and there was a, there was a great article, but I don't know if it was, I don't know if it was Steve Blank. It was someone who made that comment. It's, it's just a, it's just a, just a hard truth that, that the industry is has a hard time absorbing because it just doesn't. They don't want that truth. They don't want it to be true that there are, that there's a huge range in what top notch people can do. Yeah. And what compared to what mediocre people can do. And I don't mean mediocre. I mean, people who are, you know, reasonable, reasonably experienced professionals in that field. And, um, and they just don't want it to be true. And it's just, it's just true. It's just like in, in, in you see it in things that we, where everything is completely transparent, like say watching a, a professional sport, you say like, you know, the top people, the reason they get paid 20 or 50 times of the people is you can see it. That's it's like that's, you lose Peyton Manning. You go from a, a Super Bowl contender to a two and eleven, or two, or what? Two and uh, was it two and uh, fourteen or something? There, there, there. Uh, the Colt season was last year. I mean, it's like it's a joke, right? You know, and maybe there are a few other changes that affect, but I mean, it's like the people are just incredibly important. Yeah, and it's the same. And, and writing code and building products and all this sort of stuff, it's the same thing. And uh, they don't want to believe it. So, and companies like this don't want to believe it. So. You know, and and then they'll suffer for it. You know, and the and the companies that understand that and appreciate it, and at least can work with it to some degree. I mean, to some degree, you 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 they they're going to do their best to minimize the fact. Well, if this guy leaves, we can't have our company implode. Right. They yeah. don't want that, but they have to come to that understanding that they're just there are people out there who are just incredibly valuable, and you're going to have to treat them like that. Because if not, they're going to leave. And they can work with your competitor or somewhere else. <laughs> All right. Have you got anything to wrap the show up with? Let's see here. Um, 
Oh, there is a um, there's an article too. There's a an article is entitled "Bug Munches Plastic Trash Trash Possibly Cleaning Oceans." Oh, I sent that to you. Did you? Oh yeah. So a small bacteria was discovered uh, on plastic items sampled at the uh, Saragossa Sea, which is in the Atlantic, North Atlantic. Right. Yeah. So they actually found it. That they evolved to eat this plastic. <laughs> it wasn't like it was engineered. And you know how efficient is it doing that, or how? That's the lab of the world. Like it's like you know we, you were talking about this engineering lab. I mean, basically the sea is the lab. Well, that's what um, Omri uh, from um, Genome Compiler said. He's like the world may beat you to this. Like it may evolve a plastic yeah. eating bacterium may evolve on its own. Yeah, and he's right. Now it may not be the most efficient version of that. You may be able to make something that's a hundred or a thousand times more efficient in terms of how fast it metabolizes. Um, plastic and how quickly it reproduces and what sort of um, uh, ex- what, what it excretes. Is it oxygen or carbon yeah, yeah. dioxide or, or whatever it is? And um, so he says, one of the things they said is that, uh, that, that you know, plastic contains a lot of toxins. So, you know, which can, which can be introduced into the food chain, um, you know, as they feed on the plastic. Right. Right. Um, and, and then the problem is if they become food for large organisms, then the toxins become kind of introduced. They go the up the chain. food chain, yeah. So one way or another, we're performing a, a, an experiment. Whether we decide to try and engineer them ourselves, at least we can control what the uh, what it excretes versus something that evolves that does. It might excrete something that's probably really, makes sense that we we do it. We control at this point. I mean, because I nature's know. gonna nature's gonna be greedy. Whatever's right. most efficient for that. Yeah, organism. it's going to do it as fast as possible without thinking about anything else. Doesn't care if it kills off, say, all the tuna and the ocean yeah, right, or something right. like that, right? So uh, I thought that was kind of uh, yeah, kind of nice. interesting. Um, oh, one thing I want to bring up, I, I, we'll, we'll talk about any food next session. The only thing I want to mention is we had one, um, I think one of our listeners wrote in and said something about um, the you know, about any food. It's like, wow, I'm shocked at how expensive these experts are. Oh, right. Okay. You know, and he's like, you know, I'd be much more willing to pay, you know, like $10 for 10 minutes to like, you know, test out. Which is what Minute Box is. And I said, yeah, I said, you know, Minute Box can have that market. I said, the thing is, you're not any food's market. I'm not any food's market. Right. right. You know, we're, you know, it's like, I'm not Maserati's market. I wish I was in Maserati's market, <laughs> but I'm not. I mean, well, I, actually, you, I can complain that I can't afford Maseratis, but they don't really care because they're, 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 they're. But there would be times when we are any food's market. If we were, like, let's say, for example, you were working on a particular Node.js problem mm-hmm. and you just really had the pain and you were just like two days into this thing and you're like, God, I need to speak to someone who knows this inside out. You'd spend 300 bucks. You'd drop 300 bucks right then. I might. So, yeah. But I'm not but aiming. You're Sometimes, not generally the remarkable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm not the center of that market. And yeah. so that's the thing. It's like you, you pick your market and we're, we're, you're picking, we're picking a market where, where there's pain and people have money to pay for to, to remove that pain. And independent bootstrap developers, that's not our market. It's for, it's going to be for smaller companies initially. Smaller companies meaning, you know, Five, three or five to a couple hundred people, and then and then as we become more established, we move up the food chain. And to give an example, you know, um, Alex Alex McCaw was on the system initially for 150 bucks an hour, and he did a session, he did a half hour session, and this was like, you know, a few months ago, it was like first session, it was 75 bucks. And I think he he was he that was fun session stuff, but then he wasn't super motivated after that. He got another request in to do it, and he wasn't real responsive. And I and I emailed him and I said, "Hey, Alex, I was like, 
you know, what's the story? Are you, do you, you going to have time to do any foo or, you know, what, what are you thinking? And, and I said, look, if it's the money's not enough, put the number in there that's going to motivate you to do it. And he said, all right, fine. I, and so he said, all right, good, 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 good advice. He, so he raised his rate to $300 an hour from 150 For an hour minimum. And an hour minimum. Yeah. And, uh, and the uh, same client, Jeff Welpley, reserved a session. Right. Because, Jeff, they, yeah, they're going to pay. Yeah. I mean, Jeff was like, ah, that's a bummer, right? Yeah. But he's like, in the, the day, it was so worth it. Jeff was like, man, yeah. that was incredibly useful, you know, hour. And Alex was unhappy. Alex was like, all right, now I'm motivated. Yeah. 75 bucks doesn't motivate me. 300 bucks, that, that motivates, motivates me. me. <laughs> so the, I, and the reason we're saying this is that the top people are not going to do 10 minutes for $10. If, if someone said to me they would do 10 minutes for $10 or 20 minutes for $10, uh, $20 you, for $10. You'd know they weren't the top person. I well, no, if someone, if a client came to me and said, hey, Jason, I'll pay you $20 for $10, I'd be like, no. Right, I'll pay you 50 right. bucks for 10 minutes. I'd be like, no, no, no. I just don't have time. It's just because you're knocking me out for at least a half hour to an hour. I'm scheduling that. First of all, I'm spending five to 10 minutes just look at my schedule, scheduling it, da, da, da. And then I got to like stop whatever I'm doing and doing it. So anything less than an hour is kind of just. But the other thing is, is even if you did schedule 15 minutes, a lot of true value comes after the time you actually spent. Like, because you, it's when you're spitballing that so much other advice comes across. Yeah. I mean, as, as we talked about it, I, I think um, we sort of established in a much earlier show, but you know, there's sort of the five, first five to 10 minutes is just sort of like establishing the context of what you're even talking about. First, it's just like make sure the communication there. Are we using TeamViewer or how are we sharing a screen or what are we doing? That that take, take five or 10 minutes. And then it's like I mean, really the first 20 minutes is just establishing context for what you're working on. And then it's talking. And then after that, it's like a deep dive into the problem. And then it's like solving the problem and then talking about all the other considerations and larger issues and stuff. And so anything shorter wouldn't make any sense. So I, I think the hour is, would be my recommended minimum for most. Okay, well, I'm, I'm going to finish the show on, on a good note. Um, something that I saw on Hacker News today was an article about creating organs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was just like, it's something that we already know about, but just to see how it's developing. Um, in the article, they described how and then I guess a bioengineering team had created uh, an esophagus for, okay. a ca- for a cancer patient. Cool. And the way, the way that they do it is they, they, they took, um, they took, I don't know, esophaguses from pigs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they put some kind of uh, acid that breaks everything except the main uh, framework of the esophagus. Yeah. So you just get to see the general outline, the general it's uh, scaffolding. Yeah. The, the scaffolding, right? It's biodegradable scaffolding. Okay. So they created out of polymer the scaffolding. So they, so they scanned in this guy's esophagus right. from the, the throat, the, the, his whole throat down so to his stomach. They used something like a 3D printer to they, print they, the... Yeah, they, exactly. They, they printed the whole thing, the whole scaffolding of his, his esophagus. And then they got his own bone marrow and, and used his own cells, which they basically... They, he described it as like basting a turkey. Yeah. And they, they did that and then they reimplanted it into him and then... Like six months later, they checked this thing, and the whole the whole cell structure had grown back, including these weird special little cells that help you cough, you know. And it it, it had completely rebuilt in a new esophagus from the ground up. Yeah, that's kind of awesome. Yeah, and that's since 2012. Matter what's going to be yeah. possible in 2050. Right, right. You know, I mean, they're going to be able to regenerate most, if not all, of the human body. It, from it's going to it's it is going to be astonishing. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. They could re- remodel. That's why I'm like, you you want to live. 
you want to live forever, <laughs> you want to make it past a certain point. That's what Aubrey de Grey and, yeah, yeah. and uh, Kerr as well. So if time. you just try and make it to 2050, and you're probably, like you're probably going to make it quite a, quite a long yeah, way. Yeah. Well, you know, um, I remember reading uh, article, uh, a bunch of articles about that in 1995. There was an issue of Scientific American, and, it, and they were they were interviewing scientists from all these different fields saying, what is the next decade, two decades, three decades going to look like in your field? What breakthroughs are we going to see? And they, in the medical field, that's what they were talking about. That's what, that's the one article or the one discussion topic that I remember most was the idea of, of regenerating body parts, organs using the biodegradable, biodegradable scaffolding and seeding it with like stem cells or things like that. And then doing, and so it's like seeing it now. It's like, I remember, I remember where I was. I remember we were driving, we were driving up the one and to Solvang. <laughs> and, uh, I remember thinking about talking about that article. In 1995. Oh. So what, that's uh, 17 years ago? Well, I think that's a great note to end the show on. That's very positive. It's good. You, you cut me off at the past because I, uh, I had two letters from the dark side. You mean, do we save those for next week? Yeah, let's save them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, wait on a happy note. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's a wrap. We're out. <laughs> <laughs>